Welcome to the Pubcast, your inside look at electronic publishing. From ebooks to websites to podcasts and more, join us as we interview the professionals on the cutting edge of publishing. Welcome to the Pubcast. I'm Lauren Milne, and today I'm talking with Sarah Platinitis. Hi, Sarah. How are you? Good. How are you, Lauren? I'm good, thanks. Um, so I'm going to introduce you first. You have um, a little bit of a resume on you. Um, pretty diverse. You've worked as a teacher, a designer, a writer for Food and Lifestyle, um, photographer, artist. You've been a, a blogger, and now you work for Mass Live. Is that correct? It is. So you actually have two titles at Mass Live. You're an entertainment producer and a food editor? Yes. Okay, so what do those jobs generally involve for your responsibilities? So they both kind of work together in that, like, I'm brainstorming and creating content, um, but I'm curating food, arts, and entertainments content for the site. I oversee a lot of bigger, like, overarching projects for, like, you know, quarterly food contests, prom coverage, and the newest endeavor, which is weddings. You know, my colleagues joke that I get to cover, like, the fun stuff, which is, like, partly true. <laughs> <laughs> Not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing, but it's also like really what I do is really important because it brings balance to the site. I have a, a small team and we're kind of like the morale boosters, if you will, you know, because other than that, people would just be like reading breaking news and crime and similar stories. And that's all the site would be. So, you know, we bring that balance and you know, we dive deeper into topics like especially with um, our food and dining initiative. My theory is, you know, talk about female chefs as much as you talk about male chefs. So we get into things like gender and quality and, and we, we look at things like that. So we're not just creating stuff for the sake of clicks, you know? Mm -hmm. So how long do you think it usually takes between coming up with an idea and when you actually publish the final story? It depends. Um, it can be like a quick hit type thing, can be based on a press release or an event or, you know, something coming up and that could be really quick. That could be, you know, just contacting someone, getting more information, a few quotes and just kind of, you know, making it interesting for the reader um, so that they can learn more about it and then go and do it or, you know, participate in whatever it is. Um, and then there's deeper dives, as we call them, um, where, you know, you spend days and sometimes even weeks on a story or a series and you're going and you're interviewing multiple people and, and doing photography and you're doing video and um, you're you're incorporating it all together so that you know it doesn't all just post on one day it's over a series of days and um, it involves you know the digital operations team and talking about social media with them and figuring out how to get the content to the readers based on interests and tags. And it can go from thinking like, this shouldn't be that hard to that was a whole lot harder than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you, how do you decide which stories you're going to focus on? Do you have the final say over that or is it a team decision or what kind of involvement do you have in that? I have the final say. We have a, I have a managing editor that I work with, um, and you know we we do work together. But for the most part, it's me, um, especially for food. I work with a counterpart over at the newspaper, who is the entertainment editor over there. And you know he has his 
his stuff that he works on, and I concentrate mostly on food and the the initiative, the food and dining initiative that I was brought in to work on. But I do write about events. My team, you know, we go and we cover events. The Biggie is a um, a very big event that happens every September and October out here in in New England, and you know, like all of our teams kind of work together for that. So it's we we sit together, we brainstorm content. You know, it could be as simple as me coming up with an idea. It could be me talking with my reporter and saying, okay, what do you think we should do here? Or you know, she'd come to me with an idea and we'd you know talk it out. Or it could be a whole group tackling an idea. Like today I had a project uh, meeting for our, our weddings project that's starting. And, and there was six people in there, including the president of the company. So, you know, it varies. How many people work on your team typically? Typically one. It's me and my reporter. Okay. Yeah, and we'll pull in people as we go. Depending on how big it is, we have another person that we bring in for food things when we do our, our best of mass project. Um, it's like a food contest, and uh, it's usually the three of us that go and take care of that. Um, but if it's a bigger project, the team could just be, it could be more than just content. It can be, you know, social media strategy. It can be sales and marketing even you know, not crossing a line between editorial and advertising. But, you know, there's, because we're in a, working in a digital world, they need to... They need to market it. Yeah, they need to market it, and they need to put ads together for it. And that's what, you know, keeps us going every day. Mm-hmm. How often do you usually talk to, like, social media people and stuff like that? Oh, like, every day. I mean, hourly. <laughs> <laughs> We're, we we have this like open floor, open plan newsroom, mm-hmm. so we can just kind of turn around and like yell at them, or you know nicely we talk to them, or we work together via G chat. So like say if you know if if I'm on the road and I'm writing this story and I finish it and I want it to go up on the homepage, um, or if I want them to shout it out on social, you know we talk to each other. So we're all kind of connected via gchat okay do you want to explain exactly how you use gchat well a lot of times it's you know it can be as simple as you know the newsroom is so quiet we don't want to interrupt the flow of creativity that's happening so we'll just kind of shoot a quick question over to someone Mm -hmm. i'll have a reporter maybe in worcester who's doing food and dining stuff and she'll she'll send me a note and ask me, like, what do you think of this? Is this good? And it's it's a little more immediate than email because sometimes, you know, we get such huge volumes of email that we have to kind of turn that off. And um, Gchat is, I think, a little less intrusive. Mm-hmm. How long have you been using uh, Gchat? Forever. <laughs> um, as long as I've had a Gmail account, which is probably... I don't know, uh, 2007 or 2008, whenever I made the migration from Yahoo. Oh, Yahoo. I was AOL. (laughs) So I guess it's kind of become an integral part to kind of how you do your job, essentially. Apart from publishing online, you also communicate with your coworkers and other people on the team in an electronic format, right? Definitely. Like, I'll be on an assignment, and I'll think of something, and I can connect with my reporter who's in the office and, you know, say to her, like, hey, can you update 
you know, the page, or can you make sure this gets some edits, or how about we promo this, or, you know, hey, don't forget to do that, um, and, and it's really easy to, to use. Mm -hmm. Do you think at Mass Live you have all, all the um, technology that you need to stay up to, up to date in your, your industry? Definitely. We do, for sure. I think of Mass Live and the parent company, which is Advanced Digital, Mm-hmm. as they're really helping to change the industry and, and the technologies that are used when it comes to, you know, digital news and information websites. Yeah, MassLive has a very big online presence. Yeah, and then there's, there's a bigger part of it. Um, we're one of 12 affiliates across the country, and they're in all different parts. In order for something like that to continue and thrive and, you know, bridge the gap between, you know, newspapers and that the two worlds of that, you know, they, they constantly have to come up with like ideas and this innovative stuff to engage their readers and connect communities. But they also have to work on giving us tools to be able to, you know, create multimedia slideshows and embed video and, you know, figure out ways to, you know, put tweets and other things into posts that we're working and have it be responsive. It's all stuff that, you know, there's a whole, there's teams of people that do that stuff. Like, I'm not working on any of that by any stretch of the imagination. Like, I'm, I'm like, okay with HTML. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too, just recently. Yeah, but it's really interesting when, you know, we hear about like, oh, they're rolling out this new thing for us to use, or they've created this tool to make this easier to do. Um, it's it's amazing the creative minds that come up with the stuff that we get to work with, and it, it's it's great because you know you know that it's the future. You're in it. Yeah, definitely. So you actually even before you worked as an editor for Mass Live, you did some writing for them. Do you want to talk about kind of how you got the job, how you your past works kind of influenced how you are as a food editor now? Sure. Um, well, I worked as a stringer for the Springfield Republican, which is the uh, the media partner for Mass Live. They're the print to the digital. Okay. And um, I actually started my interest in journalism when I was, you know, way in high school and I came and participated in a group at the Springfield Republican, which was then called the the Springfield Union News. Um, they had a group called Unlisted and it was all high school students that, you know, wanted to write for the newspaper. Mm-hmm. And I got involved in that and kind of, you know, went through and was interested in journalism through college and then, you know, ended up as a teacher and, um, you know, did writing and, and other things on the side, the photography um, and film. And then when I left teaching, when I left the classroom, I went back into writing because, you know, I thought, well, what can I do where I don't have to learn like a new skill? <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, well, why don't, why don't I just, you know, try this and see? And I worked for um, some regional and national publications for a while, did magazine work in addition to newspaper work, and also did some online work with, like, Honest Cooking, uh, you know, the digital platforms that 
people sometimes really didn't seem to get. They're like, well, is, is it printed? And it's like, no, it's not printed. It's online. And there's this, like, weird, like, you know, like, oh, it's online. <laughs> <laughs> it's like this little bit of, you know, like it doesn't seem like it's a, it's a true or real thing. When in reality, like, you know, digital news outlets or, you know, any anything like that, it they're very, very real and they're full of staff that are phenomenal writers and photographers and videographers. Would you say that kind of that sentiment of, oh, if it's online, it's it's not as legitimate would you say that that's changed in the recent years i think it's changing i think with younger people being more apt to read the news online and publications that were primarily print going toward more online work i think that's important and that's changing what's happening it's changing the view um, I mean, we have things like the Huffington Post that, you know, that, that's changing the view of news and, you know. Yeah, no, I would say I would see more people cite the Huffington Post than than a print journal. Yeah, I feel like there's there's the more immediacy to something. I feel like there's there's more current updated things online. Like you have access to this wealth of stuff versus you know, being able to go to the library and check out archives and, you know, find all these things, I think it has to do with needing to get the information faster. And that's why people are also changing their minds toward the validity of online anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I think so too. I agree with you. Do you want to tell us about any projects you've recently completed or that you're currently working on? Sure. Well, I was brought into Mass Life to kind of spearhead their new food and dining initiative. Mm -hmm. And I'm really proud of that progress. Like we've increased year over year traffic and um, the views, number of views have gone up. So the, the numbers have really um, been encouraging. I also worked to help create this best of mass contest um, that the numbers have been really good there. Um, you know, photo galleries have been really crucial in getting people to engage with the content, which is really exciting because um, I work with a reporter who's a fantastic photographer. Mm -hmm. So she gets to go crazy taking photos of all these amazing things. And then we get to interview people and, and kind of roll it all together. Something I'm really kind of excited about was back in December, I did uh, a fun multimedia slideshow called 20 Things Not to Say to Someone from Massachusetts. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it went viral. Oh, wow. Yeah. It, and to date, it's broke, like, it's over 2 million views. Um, and it broke a company record, which was pretty exciting and also totally unexpected. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. So that was really fun. <laughs> yeah, no, that does sound fun that you get to incorporate, aside from just written words, you get to incorporate photography as well into what you do and still get people to read. Yeah. And it was a multimedia slideshow, which is a tool that, you know, they created for us to use. And we were able to put something together that, you know, not only 
included images, but, you know, the writing angle was there. You know, it, it took time to put that together. Like, people might think, like, oh, that's just, like, clickbait or whatever. But, you know, there's there's someone behind that piece putting it together, you know, thinking of the word choices and making it witty and doing research and really spending time with it. So something that, you know, people might think, you know, after they click through, you know, they might think like, oh, it took just as long to make it as it did for me to click through it. Um, but that's not the case. I mean, you know, that took me like a week between, you know, brainstorming and finding images and pulling it all together and just making sure it worked. I think with online stuff, the curation is a big part of it and making it, making the experience that the readers have with the content you create, that's so important. That's something that you really have to consider. Right. You actually, you do some photography on your own, right? You have your um, Women in Food project. Yes, a horribly neglected project. (laughs) (laughs) The website is beautiful. Do you want to tell us a little bit about it? It's Squarespace. It's a very user-friendly site, and they have great themes. And they had the best part is that whenever I ran into you know a problem, I could talk to somebody and troubleshoot it and correct it and and even you know customize what I needed to do to make the project um, kind of pop online. You had a physical base to show this, right? Yeah. Is that still up, or was that a limited time show? That was a, a limited time thing. The The Women in Food Project turned into an art exhibit, um, kind of on the recommendation of a, a friend who actually is director of that gallery where it was in. You know, and, and I said to her, she's like, you, you know, you have to, you know, submit your work or, you know, do something. You're an artist. And I said, no, I'm a journalist. I'm a photographer. I'm not creating sculpture. I'm not doing things, you know, like I'm seeing when I go to these galleries. And she said, no, your your work is, is an art form. So she's like, what can you make? And I said, okay, well, I have stories and I have photographs and I can create an interactive storytelling project. And she was she said, yes, do it. <laughs> and and what happened was I created this um, exhibit where you walked in and there were, you know, large images of all the women in the project. Uh, and there was a QR code on the title card for each photo that when you used your smartphone to scan it, it went to the interview with that woman. When people were walking through the exhibit, they could listen to the woman's voice while looking at her photo and learn about her and learn about her world and her connection to food. And then the kind of old school component was having my, um, my grandmother's farm table in the middle of the exhibit. And people could write their um, memories of food connected to a woman in their life on these recipe cards. And then wow. that came part of the exhibit as well. Oh, wow. So there was some, some audience interaction in the creation of it. Definitely. I think the audience interaction was really important because 
a way to continue the stories and really make the people who came part of that exhibit because, you know, I think art has to encompass everything. Mm -hmm. Now you say it's neglected. Are you still working on it or planning on working on it? Um, yes, I'm planning on adding more to it. It's something that I don't want to give up on. I think it's a great topic. It's something that I, I kind of, kind of this, this project has turned into what I do a little bit during the day. You know, I go and I interview chefs and people that are connected to food in certain ways through the, my work as a food editor. Mm-hmm. But I can't, I feel like I can't really use the stuff that I do in the journalism world for the project. Those have to be separate. And I think, I think that eventually the project will continue. Well, I hope so. Thank you. That's not your only project on top of that. You have your own blog called Sarah in the Kitchen. I do. And that actually was uh, a blog that was kind of like Sarah in the Kitchen is a way to showcase my writing and photography when it comes to food. Two things that I think are very difficult parts of the food and writing world that a lot of us creative people are working in. A lot of photographers will avoid it completely because um, it's not like photographing a person or an event or a product. It's something that you have to make it look as appetizing as possible. <laughs> <laughs> so when did, when did you start this blog? Uh, I started it in 2009. It's a funny story. Um, I actually went to the, see the movie um, Julie and Julia. Mm-hmm. And I really, I, I love Julia Child. <laughs> I absolutely love the film. And I just thought it was such a cool idea that this woman cooked her way through mastering the art of French cooking. And uh, I said, well, you know, I had a really stressful job at the time and I really needed a creative outlet. So I said, ah, why don't I just start a blog and pick a cookbook and cook through it? And it can just be for myself, you know, because mm-hmm. I, I came from a family that had a restaurant background my grandfather owned a lot of restaurants and my dad was a chef and I learned how to cook from him. And a lot of the, you know, my family members cooked, a lot of things were around food and I grew up in helping out in the restaurant and just being in the kitchen all the time. So, you know, cooking wasn't like uh, something that was foreign to me. It was kind of comforting. So, you know, I'd get home from work and I'd find, you know, a recipe and I'd bake something or, try to cook a new vegetable or use a new spice. And it was basically just a way for me to kind of keep track of like what I was doing and how I was doing it. And then I, you know, I had to add photos to it. And so I'd tinker with that. And then I thought, oh, I got a a flip camera. Um, Do you remember flip cameras? I do. So I, you know, practice with that and see like, okay, can I cook and film at the same time? So, you know, there's a lot of stuff like that. And it's not, you know, completely wonderful stuff by any means. But, um, you know, I think as I practiced, I got better at cooking, um, but also at recording how I was cooking. Mm -hmm. 
it was practice for skills that I didn't know at the time would one day become my job. Right. Now, did you kind of try to tailor how you presented the information when keeping in mind that you're publishing it where anyone can read it? Definitely. At first, the blog was private just for me. Mm -hmm. And then I had some friends who they learned that I was cooking and I was writing about it. And they said, well, we want to see it. So come on, share it. So once that happened, once the whole like idea like, oh my gosh, this is live and that people are could stumble on this and like actually pay attention to it, then that kind of, you know, really improved the stakes of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that set the bar, I think, much higher. And the photos had to be, you know, a l- much better. And uh, my writing had to be a little more thought out. It actually helped me become a better writer and a photographer. So you think it kind of influenced where you are now as a food editor for a site that's bigger than just you at MassLive? Yeah, because I really have to think about, you know, what it is that my readers want to be reading. And sometimes what I like isn't exactly what works numbers-wise. So, you know, it's always, you know, balancing the two. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, thank you for talking with me today. It was really nice to talk with you, Lauren. I'm going to plug the websites where people can find you. They can find you at MassLive, which is MassLive.com. Your Women in Food Project is WomenInFoodProject.com. And then Sarah in the Kitchen is SarahInTheKitchen.com. All pretty straightforward. Pretty straightforward, yep. All right, well, thank you so much. This has been the PubCast. Find more episodes, read our blog, or send feedback by visiting us on the web at www.thepubcast.org.